0: When I started that 2020 business podcast, rebranded myself, started to get my life together, tried to make big changes during a really difficult time during COVID, the only reason I had a fraction of success in that first year was that I was podcasting for fun for five years. I had started doing live streams at the start of COVID because musicians couldn't play live. So I had a lot of momentum doing live streams.
1: podcast junkies episode 322 welcome back i'm your host harry duran if you are new to this show it's the one where we speak to the most interesting voices in podcasting get them to kick back their heels and talk about their shows and whatever else is on their mind regular listeners thank you so much for returning week in and week out sharing the stories and sharing the episodes with other people who might find them interesting and that's how people find and discover the show and for that i'm eternally grateful to you and i send you a big hug for that In case you missed last week's show, we had a great conversation with Roger Williams. He's the host of the Crossing It Off podcast. And we had a long discussion about the importance of not only keeping and making bucket lists, but also checking them off when you do them. And so not having lists that you just keep around forever and not taking any action on them. It inspired me to take a look at my list. And I think if you listen to that, you will be inspired as well. Episode 321, make sure you check that out. This week, I speak to Ben Albert. Ben and I connected. That's a good question. Where did we connect? <laughs> Ben's prolific online. He's got a great uh, internet presence. And we have a really, really fun conversation about a lot of things related to the podcasting space, but also personal stories. I talked a little bit about how I was bullied. I don't know how that came out, but we shared a story around that, our experiences in New York, and just also this idea of dealing with uncertainty and how it opens the door to unexpected opportunities. So this is really a a interesting conversation where we get a little personal and I really enjoy these conversations. I've been having more like these on the show. Ben gave me a really great tip and it's something that you should try for your show. At the end of the conversation, he recorded a little promo for the show for me. We were on Squadcast, and they recorded that. So I think that was great. And I've been trying to do that at the end of our conversations with other guests and it's been having great results. So something you might want to try for your show. If you're enjoying this podcast or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating or review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. I'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But before we get into this uninterrupted conversation with Ben, here are a few words from the folks that support this show. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite.com. I couldn't be happier to share with you a very special promo we have coming up for the holiday season. This is your chance to win a Vocaster 2 from Focusrite, courtesy of their sponsorship and Podcast Junkies. It's very easy and very simple. All you have to do is head on over to Focusrite.com forward slash Podcast Junkies. It's just another example of how excited and how proud and how honored and how grateful I am to be working with the team at Focusrite, shout out to Dan Hughley. I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate the holidays than to partner with him on this special giveaway. I've been using the Vocaster 2. It's beautiful, it sounds fantastic. It's got the built-in gain. I'm using it directly with my Gain Heavy Shure SM7B. Anyone within the sound of my voice, would love to have this as part of their kit. And again, all you have to do, focusrite.com forward slash podcast junkies. Make sure you get on that today as the contest expires December 17th, 2022. All right, Ben Albert, host of Real Business Connections. Thank you so much for joining me on Podcast Junkies.
0: Yeah, Harry, I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, so we're just talking shop and talking green screens and talking background environments, which is something that any podcaster, no matter how long they've been podcasting, is thinking of. So... Talk to me about, you talked about starting in in the bedroom, I think, when you first started your show.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, my first ever show was 2016. It was a Rochester music podcast. Um, We can go into the story if you want. But in 2020, when COVID hit, I got let go and Music Ben was a party animal and also was jobless. So I reinvented myself to Business Ben. Started, again, I had Rochester Groovecast, a music podcast, then I started Rochester, New York. Rochester Business Connections, a business podcast so I can reinvent myself. Now it's called Real Business Connections, but it was just in the guest bedroom with literally like a green tarp that I bought online, (laughs) hanging from a ceiling on command hooks and utilizing a virtual background and weird janky lights like a lamp and then a lamp with three bulbs. But then I had to take a bulb out because it was too bright. And I perfected that green screen, (laughs) but there was never anything authentic about it. I felt weird coming out of this sloppy little room with my fancy green screen (laughs) pretending like a big shot. So literally just 60 days ago, I moved into this office and immediately went on vacation so i still haven't built it out yet
1: but <laughs> well, we took a nice squad shot and we'll get that on social so folks can see
0: what we're talking about here so that'll be nice yeah and so
1: rochester did you grow up in rochester
0: yeah rochester new york born and raised okay been in a lot of areas in rochester but always been in the region
1: so i grew up in uh, yonkers new york and i uh, went to school in syracuse so for about a year and a half. So I'm very familiar with the area and the weather that's up there as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've been to Syracuse a lot, you know, uh, Syracuse men basketball games, Carmelo Anthony back in the day, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. It's always fun when you can say that you've seen your favorite team win the, the big game. So Syracuse won the world NCAA championship. Yeah. Championship. I was in New York city thing, I think at the time. So I remember they won that, so I went a little nuts. And then I have got to see the Yankees win the World Series before they went on their run. So it was 96. So it was the first of the run when they were like dominating the late 90s. But that was in Yankee Stadium. Got to see them clinch and win the World Series. And then uh, got to see the Giants beat the Patriots for the Super Bowl. So that's... Not in person, but that one just was just a fun, fun to watch. That's with the... I don't know if you remember Plexiglas Burris. He caught the ball on his helmet oh, yeah. as he was falling down. <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> The craziest catch ever. We just, I remember we were watching at a friend's house. and just lost our minds there. Besides college, was sports big for you growing up?
0: I want to say yes, but no. It's when I was younger, I wanted to be a basketball player. Literally, I tell this story and connect it to podcasting. I don't even know how I do it, but it works. I wanted to be a basketball player. And I literally had a jersey for every single day of the week. I had Vince Carter, I had Reggie Miller, I had two Michael Jordan, I had Shaquille O'Neal. So you're serious. I loved basketball, and I would literally play five-on-five against myself. and Literally, imagination when you're younger. But I lived to be 5'8 on a good day. (laughs) So what do you think happened? I actually got pushed around, I got bullied, I got made fun of, and I was good at basketball, but honestly I would like – I was introverted and I hide it from the attention. And later in life, I ended up being, I got into music, a bunch of weirdos like me, still loved sports, but got into music. That's when I kind of found my tribe. And now as a podcaster, it's like, I know what it feels like to not have a community. I know what it feels like to get made fun of, feel small, to hide. And you know this, we don't have to live a life like that anymore. We get to bring people together, even if we're some weird short kid that likes basketball music and music festivals, and we're all unique, and then we can find our tribe through, just happen to be podcasting, but blogs, Reddit, the internet brings us so close together. It's pretty cool.
1: I think for people that, so I'm a child of the 80s, right? So I I grew up in an era when there was no, obviously no social media, and everything was pretty analog. It was three channels on a TV that you would turn with the <laughs> the crank knob there. And I think when cable came out, it was a big deal. It was the cable vision box with the push buttons in it and the little knob that controlled like the 30 or 40 channels and early days of MTV. But I was picked on a little bit in, I was at a, I was five 5'10". So, I mean, I was, but I didn't get my growth spurt until like, high school so i was tiny as well and i remember in grade school there was like these two kids that would just annoy the shit out of me and just pick on me but it's funny because i remember one time i was walking to the gym and i think he was like picking on me or doing something and some older kid uh, probably a year or two older i think his name was Willie or i forgot his name but i should remember it because it's really impactful And he, all he did was just like from the top of the bleachers, he's, I'm Latino. And I just, I remember that he was Latino as well. He's just like, Hey, he's like, from now on, you just leave that kid alone. Right. And that's it. That's all he had to say from that day forward. And the kid was like, like, didn't fuck with me anymore. So I'm always grateful because I, it's such a crazy thing that happens. And a lot of times it's one of those weird things that you have to deal with yourself as a kid, because you'll tell your parents and, you know, depending on the level of of the bullying, there's only so much they can tell you. And, you know, it's such a, um, hopefully the tide is turning and and you can see the trend is like anti-bullying now and it's not cool to bully. And so people are being called out quicker on that. But I think back then, so I I mean, I just, I feel for you and I I know what that feeling is like and it sucks
0: and uh, I hope things are starting to change for the better. I mean, I find it fantastic because it happens for us. And, you know, when we're kids it feels like the world just lands in our lap. The older you get, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that no one's coming to save me. And your parents can come and save you and kind of try to keep you away from harm's way. We got to get some nosebleeds. We got to learn like if anyone's into podcasting, they know they didn't just <laughs> click a button and then became like it requires some nosebleeds and I think there's a fair share of that. That we, we're supposed to go through. It's all part of the course.
1: I think it's important uh, for children is this idea of learning resiliency, but also understanding and explaining to them that this is gonna happen, so they're not caught off guard. Because probably the first time it happens, when you're used to getting things your way, and you realize, you know, things are not going to be your way, then those little things happen. And I remember when I used to play baseball when I was younger, I, uh, just tee ball, just little league stuff and i was the fastest kid on the team and i think i've told this story a couple of times already but and then later on like when i got to high school i, I ran track and i was like i never forget that feeling of running as fast as i could and still having like a couple of kids just like way faster than <laughs> me. i was like wait i thought i was, like, I thought I was the fastest and then so, <laughs> it's all these little harsh realities that's set in for people and it happens to athletes right they they're like the best athlete in high school they get to college and like you know what you're riding the bench for like all four seasons and or the and then they're the, they're the best in college and it gets the, the the pros and they're just like okay riding the bench again you know it's just like so if you think about man well what you have to be to excel at the pinnacle of the best of the top like a michael jordan like how good he is you know and all the all the folks all the jerseys that used to wear and like how good they must be so you, you learn to appreciate it but also you learn to also realize that life is hard and and it's not fair and it's not always fair so it's, it's a good early lesson to learn
0: you gave me a realization. I don't even know if it's true, but it's coming up. And I'm curious of you, your thoughts on it. Podcasting's a small pool. It's like, I know I can't be the best basketball player. I'm a good marketer, but I'm not going to be like an Alex Hermosi Gary V, like Grant Cardone, like superstar marketer. I've never been the best at anything. But at least with podcasting, I've got less competition. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I got less competition at least. Who's the Michael Jordan of podcasting? <laughs> I bet you
1: whoever it is thinks they are as well too. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, it's, it's so many different angles and there's there's a lot of great, I would say probably, you know, some would say Joe Rogan, right? Because of the the reach and the impact that his show has. I mean, I think is he's like the new Oprah in terms of like, if he can move, you know cultural themes and he can make cultural shifts by virtue of people having people on his show you know just think of the visibility that he's given folks like graham hancock and talk about stuff that i love talking about ancient civilization so i'm just like yeah more of that please and but he just he feed what's what what is beautiful about joe is that he's just doing what he loves and he and it comes across and he just happened to be like doing it consistently and doing all these other things like comedy and and uh, MMA broadcasting and, and you know Taekwondo and Jiu Jitsu and archery and hunting. So he's just like kind of this like Renaissance man, Jack of all trades. And he just, he's just, but he's got this little kid energy about him too, which is infectious. And that's why he created this like almost like, not that he invented the format, but he just kind of refined it to his own thing of saying, Hey, like this is, I just like talking to cool people and learning along the way. And you can see that he's gotten better. If you listen as a podcast host, to the quality of his questions, you can tell that he's a student of the craft and he's consistently just trying to be better. Now he just opened up this amazing comedy club, the Comedy Mothership in Austin. Another just like fun, cool project to do to, so he could hang out with his boys and his and his fellow comedians. And it's just just fun. It is a, a really big door opener. And I think kind of alluding and coming back to your point about, you know, doing well in this space is I'm just grateful for the doors it's opened. It's I own a podcast production business. That's my business since 2015. So and I'm fully remote. And it's because of I had this show for a year and I learned everything I could about it. And then you know hired a couple of business coaches to teach me the business pieces of it. And then I was able to leave my corporate job. You know I was in corporate for like 20 years. And so I've now got a second show, the Vertical Farming Podcast. I've traveled to like Dubai last year because I'm a sponsor of the show. Flew me out there. So just all these doors that open up. If you're just Continue to put the work in to try to improve, and I get the sense from like just even looking at you know what you've been doing with your shows, shows, and what you're doing on the website that it, you've got this uh, marketer's mindset. And I'm wondering if we just rewind the clock back a little bit so we can kind of figure this out chronologically. You do mention that you did, you had a passion for music and that led to the first show. So talk a little bit about that. You know how you moved, you channeled your hoop dreams <laughs> into uh, music dreams.
0: Yeah. The the one sentence clickbait is I did get furlough during COVID and replaced my sales executive income in just about a year. And similar to you, like for me, I didn't start a production agency, but I started a marketing firm. And the networking I got to do, again, Rochester Business Connections, I went hyper local did local networking, and was able to funnel in marketing business using the podcast. But it really all started with, there was no monetary initiative when I started in 2016. I was a party animal. (laughs) I was at music three to five times a week. And eventually I asked myself this question, like, are you a contributor or are you just a consumer? And when you have a drinking problem, you come up with great questions. You don't always come up with great answers. But I was listening to podcasts like crazy. Literally, Like I was a traveling sales rep for Chobani yogurt for a little while. So I was going to all the stores and I was listening to podcasts on the car ride. That's what got me into it. And then I was going to music every single night and I was setting up Back in the day, I was setting up MySpace pages. Nowadays, I was setting up Facebook. I was uh, setting up events, Facebook pages. I was promoting the music. I was like, this is what I started to do. But it all started with me just being a consumer, which in the entertainment industry, there's no such thing as an entertainment industry without consumers. But when you're dedicating your entire social life to it, you start to feel like you're just draining your life force and you're not adding adding any value. And I took the cliche but pretty decent advice to follow your passion. I liked Rochester. I liked music. I liked podcasts. So I started the only Rochester music podcast in the world, I guess. The only Rochester music (laughs) podcast.
1: Yeah, they might be at the Rochester cities, but there's no Rochester music (laughs) podcast.
0: Yeah. And I didn't have a goal, but there was an added benefit that I got into places for free. But the key to that is when I started that 2020 business podcast, rebranded myself, started to get my life together, tried to make big changes during a really difficult time during COVID, the only reason I had a fraction of success in that first year was that I was podcasting for fun for five years. I had started doing live streams at the start of COVID because musicians couldn't play live. So I had a lot of momentum doing live streams. I had worked for a corporate marketing firm. I had marketed my podcast and I just took all these skills and the curiosity from when I was younger and just like always wanting to learn something different because I never felt like I belonged. I took all these life stories that didn't look like incredible lessons with a bow but I just took these skills and happened to gain momentum in podcasting. And even still to this day, I don't think I would have gained any momentum if I had too much breadth. I did a Rochester business. There was no, these are people that literally lived two miles from me, but there wasn't networking events. So we would have coffee chats over a podcast. We had the commonality that we did live and work in the same area. And it ended up being a lead generation source. I don't know if I necessarily wanted it to be. I just did it because I needed to learn. And it led to clients.
1: So the music podcast came first, right?
0: 2016 music, 2020 November was the business.
1: What was a highlight from all the interviews you did with the music show?
0: The highlight. That's a really good question. Specifically, so the highlight was never the podcast the the quality was not the best but i would get into music festivals for free and i would bring my portable equipment and i would record entire live sets from these festivals and then i'd restream it on that podcast stream i haven't put out an episode in like over a year almost 2 years haven't put out an episode and i still get literally hundreds of listens a <laughs> That's month awesome. From like, Billy Strings just won a Grammy for Best Bluegrass Artist. And I have a recording of him in 2017 at a small local bar. And just that, (laughs) that's on the RSS feed. (laughs) That just gets like 50 listens a week on its own. So like a big highlight of it was just being in, being in the action. totally Being a contributing source. There's a lot of highlights like that.
1: I think that's an, a very important takeaway, Ben, because I've experienced it firsthand with this show, Podcast Junkies. And if I think about it, I always like to say that I had a master plan for the show and I knew exactly what I was doing, but I was just inspired by, you know, Inside the Actor Studio. And, you know, I was like, oh, I can look at that in depth story about this actor. You just see them on screen, but here's they're going for an hour, and they're talking, and they're just talking about regular stuff. And I was like, so that was the idea, and that's how I started this show. But I also wanted to meet people in podcasting, and I wanted them to know who I was. I don't want to talk to someone for an hour and just be like, oh, no, with just audio. Because back then, I think it was Skype. People were using Skype, and you were just calling, and you would just hear the person. And you would just talk for an hour. So thankfully, we were able to connect Skype with Call Recorder, and then I was able to see the video and then record the audio. But it was just important and, and because I, I think this is something you can probably relate to i would go to podcast conferences and they'd be like hey harry thanks for the great chad it's nice because they would see my face and Be like you talk for an hour for someone you have recognize their face you know <laughs> maybe not the name or something you're like hey like good to see you again so you know and that's 300 plus interviews and it's opened up so many doors and and now if, if someone just has a podcast like they can come on the show so it's a nice door opener and then with vertical farming podcast just i've been just amazed to see how in three years i've gotten visibility to be i don't know if you call it a a thought leader or just someone who's like visible in the space to the point where i'm being flown to like indoor farming conferences now (laughs) and they're putting me up and flying me there and so just you know kind of circling back and i think it's what you saw with the music show you know how much it opens doors this perceived authority that you have that and press credentials or you know whatever you want to call them and so i'm glad i just want to keep reminding the listener that this is you know, just follow your passion, but just go really in on it, and you know, be the best at that one little passion. And I think you'd be surprised at just how much you can do to open doors in that field.
0: I want to add an asterisk. You said be the best at your passion. I mean, it's great to aspire to be the best. I was bad. My podcast wasn't very <laughs> yeah. good. Literally, just because I had the press kit on me, like I was interviewing Beyonce's drummer, for example. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> all because it's hanging on me. I got the press kit. And here's the thing, you know, I got started and you did not it. it was the only difference. Like I was the one doing it when everyone else wasn't. I wasn't cut from a different cloth. And now I'd like to believe my show currently is pretty good. We've had some kick-ass guests, <laughs> but it's not like I was the best when I started. I was just kind of having fun.
1: When did you think about or did the idea come up for you to move to the Rochester business?
0: Almost immediately when I decided to go off on my own. There was a whole foggy period of honestly being in a depressed state when COVID hit. I got let go. I was applying for jobs. Nothing was landing. I got on LinkedIn and kind of wrote like a sob story cover letter about, am I going to leave this pandemic better than I started? Am I going to stare at the wall or am I going to go find new opportunities, new mentors? And I wrote this as a cover letter that I was like trying to get into jobs with. No one was hiring. I don't blame anybody. But it's weird is that intuition in that cover letter, like, am I going to just stare at the wall and feel depressed or am I going to find the right mentors? the right relationships. That's exactly what I ended up deciding to do. So again, on LinkedIn, this was, I'm going to make it sound like I had this all figured out. It was half baked the first like 30 days, but on LinkedIn, it's called a connection request. I didn't have any connections. I, in my previous firm, we did video production all across the States. No one was local. And my book of business was stripped from me anyways. So I didn't have Rochester Business Connections. So I started Rochester Business Connections because I wanted some. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's really that simple. And I knew that it was a competitive landscape. I knew that the bigger the guest, the lower probability they'd spend the time with me at that time. And I wanted to start a business. So I said... Let's reach out to Rochester business owners. Two main reasons. One, they know a ton of stuff I don't know. They're running a successful business. I don't know how to run a <laughs> successful business. I just started four days ago. And two, I actually am a pretty darn good marketer, so I can possibly help them. But even if I can, you know how networking works, they might know somebody that I can help. So it's, hey, I'm starting a Rochester, New York business podcast. Congrats on making it big time, by the way. Can I feature you on the show? What do you think the success rate was that? You either don't want to talk or the answer was yes. <laughs> and that's where it all began, man. It's I owe my entire career to a rinky-dink podcast that had me, my mom, my grandma, my guests, and two of their colleagues listening to it. I feel like i monetized before i even got to a thousand listens like <laughs> it was because i was talking to my people
1: i think what's so important and again it's just a follow-up to the music podcast and it's this idea of creating the vehicle or, or building the stage for the people that you want to share stage with and you know i've repeated this ad nauseum but if you tell someone hey can i pick your brain or can we grab some coffee? And everyone is going to be like, no. You basically want some free consulting is
0: what you want. And <laughs> I'm projecting, but when someone says pick my brain, <laughs> I immediately imagine like someone literally picking a piece of, and I don't think I can get those brain cells back. <laughs> like, do not touch my brain. <laughs> i'm sorry i just i get triggered by that term no i mean it should trigger because
1: that's the reaction that the people who hear that almost across the board are gonna have and i think especially with the world of podcasting it's this perceived authority i guess is what you know the best way to describe it and i think when you can have a intelligent conversation and just follow your own curiosity and you want to learn so you're going to ask questions that shine them in the best light that highlight their expertise it's easy to do a little bit of research on a company and just figure out what they're about. But if you're just a good listener, you can, and you know how to pull threads. I think that's one of the most important skills for a podcast host. You know, a lot of times, again, when I, with my second show, like I had zero knowledge about vertical farming, but I'm interviewing CEOs. And so, but I, I knew that I cut my teeth with 300 plus interviews on, on this show. And so I think that's probably what you started to see yourself as you started having these conversations, right. With these business owners.
0: Here, you literally answered the question I had in my head. And this was my assumption. I want you to kind of expand on it. Because you were a beginner, you asked the questions that someone who is is advanced wouldn't ask, which are actually the questions that the listeners want to hear. And your curiosity and lack of knowledge was actually an asset When if you came in with too much preconceived notions, you would actually overspeak where your listeners were.
1: Yes. This is uh, something that because it's a podcast about podcasting, so we geek out about podcasting. (laughs) We can go inside baseball and all of this sort of stuff. And I'll say it every single episode if I have to. There's three people in a podcast conversation, the host, the guest, and the listener, singular. It's one person listening at a time. And I never want to lose sight of you, listener, listening right now that, Ben and I are having this conversation, but I want to make sure you're always feeling like you're included in this conversation. Because without you, listener, I wouldn't have a show. And so it's just something I continuously talk about. And when guests mention or talk about something that's complex or, to your point, something that I don't know... I'm not going to try to fake it (laughs) that I know this and just keep following along the conversation because I'll just get lost and it'll just ramble off into something that probably doesn't make any sense. And I'll probably ask senseless questions. And, And to your exact point, keeping it simple always includes the listener. And I always say that my listeners learning along with me at the same time, you know, so that's, I always
0: keep that in mind. It's beautiful. It's, this is me just thinking out loud, but it's a beautiful legacy piece just to document the journey. And then people grow with you. We'll use Jordan as an example, like Jordan Harbinger pickup podcast, which won't come out of his mouth anymore. He won't even say the words Art of Charm. But if you Google Jordan Harbinger, he had the pickup podcast, then the Art of Charm. Now he's went in to talk about spies and cults <laughs> and crime and anything you can imagine. His listenership got to grow with him. There's like an evolution that happens with us and you, the listener, at the same time. It's like we're evolving together, and I think that's really badass, and it's a great legacy piece. No matter how many listeners you have, sharing that journey with someone's really humbling and really fun.
1: I've been really conscious of that point, and I've been making a concerted effort to grow my Twitter visibility, and I I just end up following this guy named Dan Coe. And something that he said really resonated with me, and I've been thinking about this a lot, is... Our purpose in life is to expand the consciousness of the planet. And the way we do that is by sharing our own journey without any preconceived notions about who should see it or what aspects of it we should or should not share. Because if we feel confident enough that some part of it is going to add value to someone, it's almost a responsibility to share it without thinking or applying any weight to the content of the information, because we're all on this trajectory, we're all in this ladder, and and I'm learning from someone who's like a rung or two ahead of me, and I'm teaching what I know to someone who's just a, a rung or two below me, and I think that just continues to happen. But if I don't share the ups, the downs, the bumps and the bruises, the awkward stuff, you know how you know we we give this perceived notion that we have got it all together because we have a public face, but there's a lot of stuff that's like the duck feet under the water just paddling you know a mile a minute just to kind of keep everything afloat and i think but i think having the confidence that you can share that without feeling like you're being perceived as someone who's failed and especially as an entrepreneur and i'm sure you've come across this as well like this idea of failing like in the beginning it hurts and you you just want to sit on the floor and mope but later you just realize, no, I just got to get up faster. Like I got to dust that dirt off my shoulders and I just got to like get onto the next thing. And I'm like, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. Spent thousands of dollars on that. Whoops. That was a mistake. Like, but you got to keep going. And I think I, I love the saying that the universe rewards momentum. And, and, I, and I'm curious, you know, how that's, you can relate to that in your own journey.
0: Yeah. I mean, success rewards speed, but it's not a sprint. And it's funny. It's reflecting on what you just said. Like, I just love podcasting. It's like, what's a failure? So I'll admit it hasn't came out. It'll come out soon. But I interviewed Chris Van Bleet for the second time. He has insight with Chris Van Bleet. He's a four-time Emmy award-winning interviewer. So he's a mentor of mine. Like he's way better at interviewing than I am. He's won four Emmys to prove it. I felt like the second time I interviewed him, I didn't do a very good job. I listened back. I guarantee people will like it. I knew I didn't do a very good job. What a good problem to have. (laughs) (laughs) I interviewed a four-time Emmy Award winner and didn't do a good job. Like, if that's the worst of my problems right now, I'm in the right industry. Like, when you're doing something that really lights you up and you're willing to take that marathon one step at a time, like, the failures seem like just like ripples in the ocean that will go ignored. I lost a client last month. I found a new one. Yeah. Like Most stuff is not life or death and we do have rock bottom moments, Yeah. but when we're doing stuff we really love, I don't know, man. It's like I had a bad interview. Who gives a crap? Let's be real. What's
1: the criteria for deciding whether an interview was good or bad for you?
0: If I don't feel right in my body, I kind of get stuck in my head and I don't think I deliver because I'm not being present. And then I end up trying to queue up questions or I end up Like, I'm just not being present in the moment. And I know that if you're authentically listening to me episode to episode, you can probably tell. This could just be my own limiting belief. But, and I'm not a perfectionist, but I want to show up. When someone who has accomplished huge things decides to put their chips on me, spend time with me. It's my job to do my best. And if I feel like I'm not doing my best, I'm going to be hard on myself. I think that's only human.
1: Where does that drive in you come from? A need to be liked, probably. And how far back do you you recall having that need?
0: I had a jersey for every day of the week because I wanted to be a basketball player. I thought Michael Jordan was cool. Then when I realized that wasn't going to be in my future, it was actually heartbreaking. And honestly, I would hide... I was a kid that was bullied when I was younger. I would hide from attention. But the reason I would hide from attention is I feel like I didn't like the feeling of not being accepted, and they can't not accept you if you isolate yourself. I've been doing the deep work lately. Honestly, Harry, I don't have it all figured out. But when you go down the rabbit hole, you start to realize the things that happened to us when we were younger totally, completely shape our lives. But they're also great tools. Like, I don't think I would have any success in podcasting if I wasn't insatiably curious. I don't think I'd be curious if I had a silver spoon. So I really think they're all beneficial things.
1: I think it's understated or whatever the right word is there, but just it's not appreciated as as much like what you just said, how much of what happens to us in our childhood How that affects all of us. And I've had stuff that's happened with, you know, early sibling that passed away in the family that caused an energy that affected me and I was only two years old when it happened. So I held on to that somehow and now I avoid confrontation. And I've obviously thank thanks to therapy, which I talk openly about, you know, this idea of being slightly diagnosed as adhd like i'm sharing all this stuff now i'm 52 so i feel like i'm just making up for lost time and just letting people know like the crazy journey that i've been on and and the stuff that still i have to still continue to work on i just came back from a a men's gathering of you know about 30 to 50 men and it was with a group called sacred sons and it opened cracked open my heart in a way that hasn't been cracked open when you get together with a group of men who are willing to be vulnerable and share a lot of the the shitty stuff they've gone through the horrible stuff they've gone through everyone went through everything you name it like abuse on both sides and to see men like open up like that and being able to you know cry in a protective environment work through like your rage you know we're doing like ritual combat by boxing with another man but in a playful environment just these are all things that like men don't have the opportunity to do and i was probably some of one of the older guys there and there was guys as young as 22 there i was like fuck i wish i had the the wherewithal to go to something like that when i was 22 but i think these these more of these things are happening so i think all that to say there's always room for that inner work that deep work and you have to have the knowledge that you know you, you can benefit from it and you can benefit from it yourself. And also when people see you doing the deep work, that's sharing it with people as well. And I don't know to what extent, you know, you're open about some of the stuff on your show, but I've been just more conscious of like sharing things like a retreat. And, you know, I recently posted today, I just posted my experience at the event on Instagram with my photo. I haven't had a photo on my Instagram feed for like uh, probably two years. Cause just, I didn't feel like I had anything memorable to like talk about. And I just felt self-conscious about where I was and all the the, the things that I was working on. So, yeah, all that to say, just, you know, I applaud you for doing your own deep work and continuing to talk about it. Because I think this, these are the little things that whoever's listening may need to hear like this exact conversation at this exact moment for where they are in their life.
0: We don't get to choose whether they need to hear it. It's just our job to show up for them just in case. There's been conversations I didn't understand, and then I come back to them years later. I'm like, oh my God, I kind of wish I got the message the first <laughs> time, but we don't really get to choose, right? Yeah. It's, just, it's our job to show up, and hopefully we can help some people while we do it.
1: Yeah, definitely. So you were doing the Rochester Business Connections, and then talk to me about the, the aha for pivoting to Real Business Connections now.
0: Yeah, I don't even know it was the aha. I think it was maybe slightly just a drunk on power (laughs) concept. At, At the end of the day, very simply put, born and raised in Rochester, New York, love my city, will advocate for my city any day of the week, but I don't just learn from people from Rochester. I mean, there was a day in my life when I was in corporate and I was honestly miserable. If you asked me if I was miserable, I wouldn't tell you this, but every Monday morning, I would take an unprescribed Xanax because I was struggling to get through the week and it was just, that was my Monday. On the ride to work while I'm taking that Xanax, I'd listen to podcasts like the Jordan Harbinger show. Back then it was the Art of Charm. I'd listen to Young and Profiting with Hala Taha. Listen to Chris Van Vliet. I'd listen to these podcasts and I'd learn the information, but I wasn't implementing anything because I had no time to because I was too time- spending too much time feeling bad about myself to actually implement the stuff. Now, the reason I give you that piece of like my backstory is I've had Jordan and Hala and Chris on my show, and I have to pinch myself because each and every one of them have accomplished way more than I have, and it humbles me that they will put their chips on me and spend time with me and come on my show. But these are people that one day... It was just a pipe dream that I'd even meet them. They were never like, it was an idol worship, but they were celebrities in a sense. Definitely. They're people I listened to all the time. And once I gained a little bit of momentum, I realized that I can build something local, but I want to build something bigger. It was literally like, I think I might be able to meet my mentors (laughs) if I just rebrand a little bit. Yeah, 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 of course. So the honest version is I rebranded because I'm all about mentorship and I wanted to get in the room with new people that I could never get in with, with just a local show.
1: Totally makes sense. I think I was thinking that way when I, in those early days, when I started, because as I was doing my show, I was leaving, I was, the writing was on the wall that I was about to get probably laid off in my corporate job. And I hired a coach, I was paying him 1500 bucks a month, and he's a friend now, Taki Moore, Black Belt, he does one-to-one, he helps coaches move from one-to-one to one-to-many, but... I remember just going into that first event because he did a couple of in-person events and totally feeling way out of my element. You know, these guys, these were like six-figure, seven-figure business owners. I was swimming in a crazy deep end and I was just like, I felt total imposter syndrome. You know, everyone's working in their businesses and I'm like, what's your business? I'm like, i got a podcast. It's <laughs> just like, that makes no money and I'm paying you. <laughs> so it's like, uh, this <laughs> equation is not working out, but the Jim Rohn quote stands out. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And this idea of opportunity cost. These business owners knew what their time was worth. You know, they knew it made more sense to pay for what's in Taki's brain because he's going to get them there faster. And so I was like, oh, what if I package all this thing I'm learning with the podcast to a done for you service? And then my first client actually came from the mastermind, and then I've actually like stair stepped that approach. I've joined like probably three or four masterminds where I've paid a significant amount of money to join just to be in the room in the same way that you've created this this podcast to be in the room with these people. And you know I'm, I'm grateful that I've I've had you know hung out with with Jordan and you know and Pat and we I went to a podcast conference in Australia with a guy named Ronzy Vaz who I met in Taki's group. And he did a conference in australia so he i end up getting on the on the panel pat flynn is on the panel jordan harbinger is on the panel dave jackson travis chapel and we're all in Australia. And then after the conference, he rents a house for two days. And so we're all hanging out in the house together for two days. <laughs> and I, w- I remember going to the fridge at one point. I was like, I kind of had like that same moment. I was like, whoa, I'm like hanging out with like these people that are not like super celebrities, but in our world of podcasting, you know, you respect and admire them. So I can totally relate to that feeling. And and how it, it became about because, Dave Jackson says this a lot, hashtag because of my podcast. Like, So I think it, I just want to, I feel like I can't, tell people enough you know how many doors have opened because of this of my show and shows and and i'm sure it's been the same for you and it's just really just i I love the fact that we're having this conversation because there's someone who's probably on the fence listening right now is like you know what i think i think it's finally time and i think that's important that we keep pushing them in that direction
0: yeah i joke about this and i first off i couldn't agree more i joke about this analogy all the time but for anyone old enough that had a MySpace, I'm curious, did you have a MySpace or was that... So who was your first friend? Oh, yeah. What's his name? I forgot. Dave? It's, it's MySpace Tom. Tom, that's his name. <laughs> so you'd set up a MySpace and it was yeah. this random dude in a white t-shirt with some sloppy chalkboard in the background. Yeah, that was so smart. Why was Tom our first friend? Because he was the founder of MySpace. Exactly. So if you want friends... If you want to seat at a table, if you want to seat at the panel, if you want an opportunity to be on the mic, why don't you just bring your own mic? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all he did. That's all anyone. that's all any of us did. I come from a corporate world and I'm a bad golfer, and I say this and I piss people off, but like I did not want to do the old-fashioned row. and I was able to get in the door with people. People are like trying to go to golf, networking meetings. I'm just like, hey, I have a podcast. I don't have any listeners. I didn't say <laughs> the second part. I have a podcast. I don't have any listeners. Will you come on? And then I had a deep discussion with a mentor, and I didn't have to be good at golf. That's
1: exactly. I, <laughs> like, I hate golf as well. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> with you there. <laughs> Who wants to sit in the sun for like three or four hours just baking and just like drinking way too much and ending up with a horrible headache afterwards? So, yeah. You took the fast route and the more fun route.
0: I've got nothing against golf. This isn't anti-golf. I just think it's such a meme that that's what you're supposed to do.
1: It is an old school way. Yeah.
0: It's old school. If you're creative, you can find different ways to get in the door without the traditional approach.
1: Do you feel like your marketing has improved as a result of the, all the work you're doing on the podcasts?
0: Oh, yeah. It's so hard. You get it all the time, I imagine. How do I monetize? The nuance part, let's just ignore monetization entirely. The nuance part is the self-development, the training that I can bring on a world-class marketer and ask them a personal question. (laughs) I love that. Everything I do on the podcast makes me better at my public speaking. It makes me better at my self-confidence. It makes me better at my marketing. And I funnel what I learn into the strategies that I utilize for my clients so currently I'm losing money overall I think even if it's an expense it's training it's a marketing funnel it's it I get kind of it's not as bad as pick your brain but when people are trying to monetize without understanding the added benefits I think they kind of have rose clo- you did it differently which blows my mind but a lot of people have rose colored glasses on and they either want to be famous or rich <laughs> And that's not necessarily the top benefits of podcasting. I'm on a soapbox. I apologize, man.
1: this is, I I, I think I should call this podcast soapbox. I mean, I I want, I want us, I'm on one, you're on one. And this is what we, this is what I love about it. We can just literally keep geeking out on why we love podcasting because people know what they signed up for when they listen to these episodes. What's the future hold for you? Like, how are you thinking about the opportunities available to you given what you've been able to achieve so far and given what
0: you think is possible? It's a good question. I'm a podcast junkie. I guess it's a good show. So I'm going to continue more as more. I'll just give you, and I'll do this for you at the end. I'll give you and all the listeners a strategy that I've been utilizing that I haven't actually like pushed out yet. When's the best time to get a testimonial or review? Is it six months down the road when someone's on vacation and you just happen to send them some crazy email? Like, they forgot they even talk to you. When's the best time to ask for a referral? It's a, in a high point. I used to give this analogy all the time. It's kind of silly, but it's true. When's the best time to go in for a kiss? Is it at the end of the day when she's drunk and trying to get out of the car? Or is that an emotional high? The best time to ask for anything is an emotional high. So one thing I've implemented into my podcast, just my my checklist of things I do at the end of every episode, I asked the guests for a testimonial. And by getting these testimonials, their video, I have the audio and the transcription, I'm going to be able to take my circle of friends that I've met through podcasting and let's be honest, leverage some of their authority for added authority when I'm marketing myself for marketing, public speaking, this and that. And in addition to that, by running these testimonials, I can actually grow the show. So. There's a lot going on behind the scenes, but in short, I've been asking everyone I interview for a testimonial, and then I hope to leverage a lot of that goodwill to reach more people, impact more people, and just build a bigger firm.
1: So Ben, would you be open to giving me a testimonial following this conversation?
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. I do have another meeting, but we'll squeeze it in. No, one thousand percent. Because why ask for something that you won't do? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's genius. I think it's amazing. And I know we're getting
0: close to the top of the hour, so you do it before we click stop. Is literally how it works.
1: A couple of questions. I usually end at every show with, uh, "What's something you've you've changed your mind about recently?"
0: Changed my mind about. So this is a big one. This is a complicated one. There was a time in my life where I didn't know what to say, and I learned a bunch of strategies. And I thought that life was about strategy tactics. There's an element to how to tell a story. There's a way to persuade. But then I found myself just triggering checklists in my head. And what I've been learning is I feel more fulfilled when I'm just authentically present. There's no checklist. Maybe the story doesn't come out right. I learned the Tony Robbins way not to put him on the spot but you go through a system. What I call the Russell Brand way is you don't know what's going to come out of someone's <laughs> mouth. And I'm learning that although strategy and tactics and systems work, I feel way more lit when I'm just present and saying whatever seems feels right. So a big internal thing going on, yeah. I love
1: that. What's the most misunderstood thing about you?
0: I think one thing that's really misunderstood is I am not outgoing. I'm not a social butterfly. If anything, I have like, it's a limiting belief, but I have anxiety issues. If you were to, I haven't been to any of the podcast conference yet because I don't want to go talk to a bunch of people. <laughs> we got to so it's take like care of that. People would think I'm a chatterbox because <laughs> I have a podcast. I will talk to someone eight hours straight if it's just, if it's intimate but I think people think that I'm a social butterfly. I'm a quiet guy. As soon as we jump off this, I'm probably going to go right and take a nap. <laughs> <you> know? <laughs>
1: Well, Ben, we'll put a bow on this and then I'll, I'll, we'll get that testimonial. But I want to thank you so much for taking the time to reach out like a true marketer looking for opportunities that would be a good fit to talk about what's happening in your world. And, and you were spot on with reaching out. And, you know, because we run in some similar circles and Alex is a fantastic guy, fantastic networker as well. So I really had no doubts that this is, is going to be a fun and engaging conversation. And I was correct because I really enjoyed hearing your story and all the aspects of of what got you to this point. And I think everything that's happened in your life experiences, the tough parts, the challenging parts, and the resourceful parts about you know getting back up while you know, following the, the missteps that, the, or the, the setbacks, I think it's very inspiring. So I truly appreciate you for being open to sharing your story with my listeners today. Thanks, man.
0: And if people wanna go to my show, you're about to be on it as well, so. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. You're gonna tell your story there. That's <laughs> gonna be fun, man.
1: Where's the best place for folks to connect with you?
0: Yeah. So first, honestly, the barrier to entry is if you hadn't hit subscribed and five stars on this show, you're kind of missing the boat. You can find me where you found this. Just type in the words, real business connections, and that's where you'll find me.
1: Sounds good. Thanks again for your time. Thanks, man. Thanks again to Ben for coming on the show and sharing his story. Very inspiring, very personal. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. I really enjoyed having that conversation with him. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com. Summaries, timestamps, key takeaways, any resources mentioned, you'll find them all there. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Learn more at cedarsoil.com about his amazing music catalog. Don't forget to check out our sponsor Focusrite and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Vocaster. Learn more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Vocaster. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more about how podcasts could be beneficial for your brand or business at fullcast.co. I've recorded a free video there about the five pillars every business owner needs to know before starting their podcast and that's free to watch at fullcast.co if you've made it this far you're no doubt waiting for this week's retention hashtag let's go with marketing ben and tag us at podcast underscore junkies tune in next week for my conversation with return guest dustin miller aka poly innovator he's a polymath he's super smart And we've got probably the longest show notes ever as a result of that conversation. We talk about all things, productivity, podcasting, AI, you name it. Never a dull moment with Dustin. I'm so happy to have him back on the show. That'll be next week's episode. Thanks for all of you to support the show. Talk to you next episode.